0: All right, it is the Fat Stacks Sports Show. Back at it again. I am your host, Jared Fattel, but you can just call me Fats. It is January 11th. It's Monday, and on today's show, we are going to be recapping the NFL wildcard weekend as well as maybe even previewing the college football playoff final that will take place tonight on ESPN at 9 o'clock. But before we get into all that, uh, just right off the rip, I just wanted to say I absolutely love the new playoff format this is now the best weekend of football in the entire calendar year it used to be um opening weekend of college football labor day weekend when you had four or five straight days of college football with a couple of big games on a sunday a couple of big games on that friday and thursday but now it's without a doubt this weekend not only do you have non-stop nfl football for two consecutive days including a saturday which might be the best saturday of the year but you also have monday night uh, college football playoff final taking place all within three days. It's incredible. It's the perfect mix of NFL and college. But here's why I like it even more. I like it even more because the two extra playoff games, as I already noted, and the two nonstop NFL days, as I uh, just mentioned, but also because it's only two teams that receive the buys, which makes it for those top four or five teams that come down to the wire. It makes it a little bit tougher for them at the end of the regular season. They can't rest as many guys. We didn't see the Bills resting guys. And it makes for what is going to be an all-time weekend next weekend as well. The NFL has made a few big-time adjustments this year to their schedule. One, the playoff, and two, making games on Nickelodeon. Let's get right into it.
1: (laughs) All
0: right. Thanks for listening, as always. I wanted to start... Uh, with the most entertaining games, uh, to put it lightly. And that is what was the Browns versus Steelers. Uh, You heard me pick the Steelers last week. I thought that if they could almost beat the team with Mason Rudolph, they sure as hell could probably beat them with Big Ben Roethlisberger, but he played terrible. Uh, I mean, it was just an all-time terrible start. If you remember the Super Bowl, I believe it was Super Bowl forty-nine between the Seahawks and the Broncos, where the snap just flew right over. Uh, Peyton Manning's head and it resulted in a Seahawks victory that a big blowout victory in the Super Bowl That's what this game reminded me a lot of but the big storyline has been Juju Smith-Schuster And what he said first off, let me just say I think he's 22 years old and it's it's got he's like the talk of the NFL right now People that are 50 years old are just shitting down this kid's throat Which is it comes with the territory of being an NFL player And it definitely comes with the territory when you're throwing out quotes like the Browns of the Browns But let's relax on Juju a little bit. Do you want everybody in the league to be Tom Brady, so sewn up and boring that we don't attract kids and we have to put games in Nickelodeon? Or do you want guys like Juju Smith-Schuster, who's playing video games, uh, has great touchdown celebrations, dances at midfield before the games, which I don't understand why that's even a problem. Who cares whether he dances at, at, at midfield during the game? Nobody cared until ESPN and all these other outlets started making it a big deal before they played the Bengals. Kids love this guy. He's probably the most popular NFL player among kids outside of maybe Odell Beckham Jr. But he deserved to get his ass kicked this week. And he deserved to get everything thrown back in his face. And hopefully, hopefully, he learned a lesson that, hey, you can dance, you can do all that crap, but don't be saying stuff like, the Browns are the Browns. The Browns going to be the Browns. I mean... And then during the game, he's getting irritated when he's just getting his abs he's getting mega pissed out there because he's getting his ass kicked. And you see highlights of him and another guy double teaming up us, uh, Cleveland Browns corner and pancaking him, like when they're down 21-0. And then you see another highlight where it's like they're down 15 points in the fourth quarter and before the snap, Juju Smith-Schuster is doing a Fortnite dance. Apparently it's called the Corvette-Corvette dance, which I'm not going to lie, is kind of a banger of a song. But boy, oh boy, what a disappointing season this was for the Browns. And was it just me, or was I the only one that thought it was just absolutely bizarre watching Big Ben just cry on the bench afterwards? Does he think that this is like the last shot that they have at maybe winning the Super Bowl with him? I don't know how you don't feel that way. I think it's almost time in the Steel City for them to draft Big Ben's replacement. Give him one, maybe two more years at most, and then eventually have that guy take over. But can we talk about, uh, on a lighter note, the Browns? The Browns are a lot like the Lions. They've been a tortured franchise for years. Uh, They've always struggled. Um, Always been a laughing stock, just like the Lions. But here's the difference between them and the Lions. The Browns have notably gone out of their way to go and acquire assets. Jarvis Landry, Odo Beckham Jr., uh, Kareem Hunt. They drafted well. Miles Garrett drafted well in Baker Mayfield. Let me just say this about Baker Mayfield. He gets a lot of crap. Uh, you know, for obviously the antics, the commercials, and all that sort of stuff, most notably from Colin Coward. But think of what he's done since he came into the league. He came into the league on a Hugh Jackson, not only was it the Cleveland Browns franchise, which has just been a dumpster fire since Jump Street, but he came in to an NFL franchise that was coached by Hugh Freeze. Excuse me, not Hugh Freeze, Hugh Jackson. And if you watched Hard Knocks like I did, you realize how much of an idiot that guy was from Jump Street. Jump Street time, too. Great movie. Uh, 21 Jump Street and 22 Jump Street. Probably uh, would go with the first one as my personal favorite just because of Dave Franco. But here's the problem with this is everyone wants to shit on Baker and say how you know he's overrated. He wasn't deserving of the number one pick. He's not a great passer. And he just continues to kind of work in silence. And it seems like the team just loves being around this guy. And without his head coach, in the first playoff game, with so much pressure on the Browns, he wins the game. He now has one more playoff win than Matt Stafford, who the Lions fan base seems to think is the best quarterback in the league. He went into a worse situation than Matt Stafford inherited and won a playoff game within three years without a head coach against the Pittsburgh Steelers who have owned the Cleveland Browns. There's a stat out there that I think up until earlier this year, Big Ben had more wins uh, in Cleveland than any Cleveland Browns quarterback in the last like 15 years since Baker Mayfield took over. He is just the. He's exactly the quarterback that I wish the, the Lions had. He's entertaining. He's a solid player, most notably on play action passes, and he just shuts guys up. He's the talk. He's always in the media. He's always getting talked about. He's in commercials. He's in all that. But doesn't distract from his play on the field. Jarvis Landry. This guy deserves a ton of credit, too. Just an absolute leader. <laughs> Again, harping back to that Hard Knocks tape, you saw him try changing that culture right before his eyes. He saw a losing culture, and within the three, he's been here since they were terrible when Baker Mayfield Flourish got drafted and Tyrod Taylor was a quarterback. Now they're a playoff-winning team. Poor one out for the city of Cleveland tonight. I will say, a little bit disappointed with the championship parade that I saw. I don't know if it, it obviously had to do with COVID, but not exactly the playoff uh, game-winning parade that I thought I would have saw in Cleveland with, you know, beers getting chugged and light posts getting knocked down and stuff like that. Nothing happened. A uh, few cars in the streets honking, and a couple guys barking like dogs. One last thought on Juju Smith Schuster. I'm reading a book right now about uh, pistol Pete Maravich. And what I've kind of find, learned to find out is basically heroes get remembered, but legends never die. If you remember that from the Sandlot movie, pistol Pete, in college, was the all-time leading scorer. He averaged 44 points. That's why he um, had the number 44 when he first entered the NBA. But what you find out about this guy is that he had a lot of problems. Uh, he, was a, he was a drinker, off-the-court, big-time partier, had a very troubled family life. And he wasn't the greatest teammate. Uh, a lot of his Hawks uh, teammates kind of accused him of being a little bit of a racist in his first few years with them. And a lot of his college players college teammates kind of hated playing with him because he would shoot 50 times a game. He'd, he'd turn the ball over 10, 15 times a game. He basically was James Harden on steroids before James Harden ever even came around. He talked a lot to the media. He was in movies. He had the haircut. Did it translate to more wins on the court? No. But it did it help build his brand and help him make, make him more popular off the court? 100%. That's why I have zero problems with guys like Juju Smith-Schuster who bring some life into the league, where in a game that we've seen this, these two teams play a billion times, Browns versus Steelers, because of his pregame antics, made it the most watched game of the entire weekend. There's a reason they put it on at Sunday night. They knew that it's going to be a great game. Juju Smith-Schuster, for the dancing and for the touchdowns, he's still one heck of a player. He puts butts in seats. I'm never going to hate an NFL player for doing that. Just sometimes you got to eat crow, and that's exactly what he, he did. Browns versus Chiefs next week. Uh, I mean, I don't think anyone's going to be able to beat the Chiefs if we're being 100% honest. I love the Browns. I love everything they got going for them. But they're not going to be able to put up points to the Chiefs. But one hell of a season for the Browns and a lot for them to build off going forward, especially when they have Odell Beckham coming back next year and just a positive culture. You have no idea how huge that is. If the Lions had that, who knows what we could accomplish. That's the hardest problem to overcome is to set your mind right. Now they're going to be a program and a team to be a problem for years to come, I believe. But one heck of a game, lived up to the billing. I've never seen a game start like that. Insane. That's why you love NFL. Way to go, Cleveland. All right, moving on. Ravens versus Titans. This is the second game that I felt like just lived up to the billing. My initial thoughts on it, I hope old-timers were watching this game. The ones that want to argue that the pro style should come back, the spread is a joke, spread's a fad, spread this, spread that. Take a look at Derrick Henry. Arguably the best running back that's been in the league in the past 20 years. He really is only one of eight running backs to have a 2,000 yards. So I think that's a little bit untrue, he's one of three running backs in my lifetime who have rushed for 1,000. Him, Chris Johnson, and Adrian Peterson. Where in the biggest game of the year, he just flat out gets bottled up. And it's long been said that the best edge attribute a running back could have is a good offensive line. And without Taylor Lewan, the Titans are not as good as the Ravens defensive line. And you see what happens. You wonder why these guys never win the MVP, even when they rush for two thousand. Adrian Peterson did. Is because at the end of the day, it still one hundred percent relies on their offensive line, and they can get shut down with a simple adjustment to a game plan, just like that. Derrick Henry wants to plan on the sidelines. You know, talk to Mike Vrabel, make Mike Vrabel go out of his way to coach him. This is what you get. I'm all about you. You know, talking like that, Derrick Henry. I'm all about you wearing all the suits. I'm all about everybody loving you, calling you Tracer you got to be able to op- operate out of the shotgun, don't you? You just got be to out- be able to op- opt out of the Sorry, getting a quick call here. You got to be able to operate out of the shotgun. You got to be able to adapt your offense, Mike Variable, to not be a pro style offense, to maybe one like the Ravens. With People don't understand the option football. It's just such a no brainer. You turn the quarterback into a blocker. When you have reads, when you can pitch it, when you can do all that sort of stuff, it, it, it helps your offensive line so much. It's one less guy that they have to account for. That's why this old, antiquated, pro-style, you run it on first down, run it on second down offense, is, is, is it's out of date. It, it, it's going to be obsolete here in a few years. Totally obsolete. I don't understand why the NFL has held on to this so long as they have. I don't care if you have Derrick Henry. Your quarterback's Ryan Tannehill. He can run. Mix it in a little bit. I understand that Derrick Henry might not be the best out of the shotgun. I understand that he's more of a downhill back, but good God. He's one hell of a running back. He should be able to be somewhat better than these little scatbacks that he bring in on every single third down and all these other plays. As for Lamar Jackson and the Ravens, he absolutely ends the narrative that had just seemingly been started just out of thin air within the last couple years, which I thought, man, maybe there is something to this where, because his abs, his first pass was just absolutely terrible. He reminds me a lot of uh, Denard Robinson of Michigan football fame where when they're able to run the ball, uh, pretty much at will, it's the most entertaining offense in the entire in the entire league, in the entire country. But when he's forced to throw, it, it's still must-watch TV because it's it's almost comical how bad of a thrower he is. I mean, you watched it right there, very first play of the game, he throws an interception 20 yards away from his target. And without any real explanation, wasn't tipped, wasn't pressured, just a bad throw. A lot like Narnarov said, yes, he can make a throw here and there, but when you're 100% relying on him to throw the ball, that's when you run into problems. Good thing for the Ravens is, although they fell behind early, they didn't do what they normally did, which is just rely on his right arm. They still stuck to the run, and their defense balled out all day. I didn't understand the Titans' fourth quarter, partial big cast at a bass, that it was just absolutely puzzling because it it was like they were they were trying to establish the run all day when aj brown very first drive of the game three catches 55 yards and a date. he didn't get another target until the fourth quarter this is what i hate about having running backs and i do this too i remember uh when i had like a madden franchise and you have a stud player like let's, let's say your my player you 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 almost force feed him the ball because you think that it's like so cool that he rushes for 200 yards or that he's like the star player of the game how about you just throw the ball they were picking apart the ravens throwing the ball the They have absolute scrubs, number 44, guarding A.J. Brown. Take advantage of it. They didn't do it as much as I thought they should have. And that's why Lamar Jackson is the most electrifying player in the country, and that's why they absolutely dominated the the Titans in the second half. So much fun to watch them. They got the Bills coming up next week. I can't wait to watch that game. That's the top game of the weekend in my eyes next week. A couple of quotes that came out. And this is in uh, reference to the kind of back-and-forth rivalry that these two teams had. Um, Kelly said, uh, a defensive player for the Titans said, I don't know what that whole quote-unquote disrespectful thing came from. If that's what Harbaugh wanted to use and motivate them, I guess it worked. And this is where the truth kind of comes out about what actually pissed off the Ravens. And that's basically that the Titans had a pregame huddle on their logo earlier this season. Who cares? I'm so sick of the logo thing. It's almost like it's of like unwritten rules in baseball. No one cares. These guys are there for a paycheck. A lot of the times, you saw it, literally Philadelphia Eagles players, Philadelphia Eagles coach. Oh, we don't have a shot at the playoffs. Let's just tank. It cracks me up how teams and you notice the Titans. They didn't really care. It was like they didn't. It wasn't like they finished the game, you know, with cheap shots or anything like that. It's like okay, you guys celebrated on our on our midfield logo. It's not like you broke into my house and, and started dancing on the hardwood floors. It, it's just the hard, It's just the freaking midfield logo. But man, oh man, do I love uh, playoff football when two teams like that they seemingly really do do not do not like each other. So much fun. I almost miss it. You don't see that as much nowadays. We we got a couple of big time tastes of it this week with the Pittsburgh Steelers and the in the Browns, and then of course this game. And I need more of it. We don't really have any of those matchups in the next round, but boy, oh boy, did I love it! Another big takeaway I had from this game: I love Lewis Riddick. "Quote unquote, that shit is electric." It is. That's he's, he's describing what is the Ravens' quick little Hollywood brown screens and their quick run games. It's so much fun to watch that. It's like a college offense. It's like watching Auburn. That's, that's, what, that's what it reminds me of the most. Auburn, so much fun. It's electric. But I love the Monday Night Football crew. They don't get enough credit because in the years past, it's been so bad with Jason Witten and Booker McFarlane, where they actually do have a very solid crew now. Steve Levy of, Ring, of the Ringer movie fame, uh, he doesn't get enough credit. as just kind of a big-time voice. He's very good, very funny. He keeps it nice and loose. And then Lewis Riddick, they have a nice little three-way tandem with Brian Greasy that I think is just underrated. And I think that as long as Lewis Riddick is still a broadcaster, this should be the booth for them. I think they've really found something here. And I think they really hit the stride in this game. Speaking of broadcasting, uh, Bears versus Saints. Saints win this one, but the Bears do cover. Uh, my initial thoughts is, as we all thought, the, the Bears didn't belong in the playoffs. One complaint I do have that I think the NFL should address by next season is how we deci- decide who gets in the playoffs. I mean, what would have been more fun? What would have drove more ratings? The, the Chicago Bears, who suck at it, are just the most boring team to watch, maybe in the entire league. Or the Cardinals with Kyler Murray, uh, brand new second year head coach, uh, Nuke, all those guys. It's the Cardinals. They deserve to be in this game. And I'm so sick and tired of the divisional champions. We saw it with the Washington football team. They suck. We saw it with, obviously, the Bears. Like Enough with these divisional line alignments and all that kind of crap. Get rid of it. Get rid of it. It's, it's like the MLB or something. It's the worst. Change it. In terms of the actual game, the big storyline, pretty much of the entire weekend, for something that was getting a lot of crap when they first announced it, the Nickelodeon uh, broadcast, I think it was perfectly executed how they did it. I don't think they realized that a majority of the people that were going to be watching this were going to be adults just looking for some different type of way to watch uh, an NFL game that they've watched a million times. But I also think that it, was, it did succeed with kids as well. It was perfectly done. Where they had Nate Burleson kind of describing, you know, things down on a kid's level a lot of what was happening on the field, and I'm sure it did draw a lot of kid listeners in. I love the comparisons of SpongeBob and Patrick compared to Drew Brees and Taysom Hill. It's hilarious. They did one hell of a job. Nate Burleson, perfect fit for this. Perfect fit for this. As long as this is a thing, if this is a thing they do each and every year, and they continue to grow it, maybe they do a few games a year. It should be Nate Burleson on this call each and every week couple of things he said uh he said that uh El- elvin kamara who uh he compared to elvin of chipmunk Fane uh for some reason by saying that uh he's the kid at recess who never misses at dodgeball which i don't necessarily understand i guess that just means that he's an elite athlete but it was still funny nonetheless but this game was just an absolute kind of snoozer outside of that if of any of the games that i wish were on nickelodeon i wish it would have been a different one probably the browns versus steelers would have been a lot of slime in the end zone but just absolutely awesome. Uh, and if you are a person that hates this and think and wants their you know crusty old CBS uh, or broadcast, then go ahead and watch that. But I'm all for trying to bring in new viewers, new angles to watch football any way we can because at times it does get a little bit stale. Another funny part that I thought was absolutely hilarious when they had the rules analyst was Young Sheldon from Big Bang Theory or whatever. Which is hilarious, and the NFL and what was a COVID year that I, a lot of people thought they shouldn't even played. I feel like they had a lot of victories, and believe it or not, Nickelodeon for a playoff game, wild card game, was an absolute victory. Next week, uh, they're going to have to play the Saint or they have to play the Buccaneers. Excuse me, and they've already kicked the shit off the Buccaneers twice already. I was surprised to see the latest the latest time they played was thirty eight to three. Saints absolutely rolled them, but man, it just seems so tough to me that they're going to have the opportunity to sweep Tom Brady uh and beat him three times in one season i don't think that's ever happened in his career and i think that that's something to keep an eye on that's just i'd be very worried but this is also a huge game that i can't wait to watch uh next week two old-time quarterbacks who i would love to see have one more shot in the divisional championship game and that's exactly what we're gonna get no matter who wins moving on to the first game and arguably the best game of the weekend uh colt at bills this is the one o'clock saturday game um the big takeaway for me from this one was, what is the actual purpose of instant replay? Because we're lucky that the Bills didn't just have their season stolen right before our eyes. Eric Paschal, uh, the two-minute drill for Philip Rivers, which was just, it was like watching paint dry. It was like sticking tweezers in your eyes for how terrible it looked. Fourth down like each and every time, fourth and ten, before they finally did not score. But I had to listen to Eric Paschal. Catches the ball, goes down, stands up, perfectly played by Jordan Poirier, where as soon as he stands up, he just punches the ball out. It's textbook. Textbook. Peanut Tillman textbook. And then the refs take it to review, and for some reason, we never really got an explanation for why the call wasn't overturned. What is the purpose of having it when a clear-cut fumble in the biggest game of the year, in the biggest situation of the year, they just don't even overturn it? There's zero point. You wonder why the NFL refs get shit on every year. You wonder why they have to bring in replacement refs and do shit like that is because of this shit. Make the call right. Make the call. You're lucky that it didn't end up maybe even getting you fined, maybe getting your name posted somewhere in Buffalo, and your career would have been over as a referee because the Buffalo Pills defense stood on its head. You're lucky because this is just a total miscall. call. And I know everyone's, like, everyone's probably thinking like, oh, well, you're not there. You're not making the call. You don't know the rules. I think I have two eyes, and the fact that four, five, six, seven, eight referees are sitting there in auto, and they decide, no, let's just keep the call of stands after watching what is a clear fumble, I don't understand it. Just flat out, don't understand it. Let's talk about the uh, Colts first. Most importantly, um, Phillip Rivers. Uh, he finished 27 for 46 for 309 yards. Uh, he's 5-7 and seven in the playoffs in uh, his career. He's pondering retirement. I think it's time for him to hang it up. I think maybe he has one more year, but if, if I'm the Colts, I'm looking elsewhere. You have one hell of a roster built around this guy. Maybe add a wide receiver to kind of give him a little bit more target uh, or a bigger playmaker on the perimeter, and I think that they just are like a Matthew Stafford away from legitimate, legitimate playoff con- or Super Bowl contenders. I love Phillip Rivers. I, I love the non-swear words. I love the trash talk. I love all that, but at some point you just got to kind of let these guys go. And when you see, say, a player like Taylor Heineken for the Washington football team who just waltzes in off the street and has a game like he did, you know that there's more quarterbacks out there than we think. That can play better these guys, than these guys. If they had a whole season, a whole season of preparation, the entire coaching staff behind them, the entire uh, players behind them, they could be better than what Philip Rivers produced this year. I know he had a strong end of the year, but boy, oh boy, when you can't even make it to the end zone on a Hail Mary like that, and I know people are comparing it to the Baker Mayfield uh, Hail Mary, which is, is just not even fair. Baker Mayfield's Hail Mary earlier in the year where he tosses it completely out of the end zone, he had absolutely no pass rush. Zero pass rush. He was able to bat, take like a 15-step drop, take two hitches up, and just uncork it. Phillip Rivers was pressured. Phillip Rivers can make it to the end zone from there, but when you have pressure in your face like that, it's not as easy to throw it off your back foot as it is to take two hitch steps into it and uncork one. So I still think he has a strong enough arm. I think he's good enough for one more year. But I don't think they're going to have a better chance than what they had this week. They played almost a perfect first half to still go into the half down four. I think it's time for the Colts to move on. It was a worthy of a try. They got into the playoffs. But I think they can find better elsewhere for the for what's around the league and what this team is made of with their talent. Uh, here's Phil errors after the game. Shoot. It's hard to go back 12 years ago to think how I felt in the locker room after that championship game. Rivers said, referring to the Chargers, 21-12, to loss to New England. It's always emotional, but is it more emotional when you're about to be 40 and you're not sure if it's, if it's your last time you're in the huddle? Heck yeah. So I think he almost sees the writing on the wall that this might be his last time he's ever going to do it. Go home. nurse your kids. Take care of them. You have 10 of them. Kind of maybe hang it up and give someone else a chance i firmly believe i love phil rivers i'm a big fan sad means sad means saddens me to say that but when you can't even make it to the end zone on a hail mary from the 40 yard line i think it might be time for you to hang up the helmet as for the bills 60 6700 fans were allowed in attendance for the first time this year and what a perfect game to bring them in bills mafia deserves us they're just like uh the lions they're just like the browns they're just like themselves obviously they have been a tortured franchise you know arguably the most tortured franchise with all the super bowl losses that they have had but this is the first real team real legit team they've had in a long time and they needed this playoff win first one in 26 years they needed it and they got it and josh allen josh allen the guy's the truth uh steven a smith he, Stephen a smith would say he's the truth i was 100 wrong i put my hand up when this guy was drafted and there was all the negative stories coming out uh, around draft time i thought the guy was gonna be a complete bust i thought he was a classic seven on seven joe miltoner who in practice with shorts on could ball out but when you actually put him in the game and pass and had him make reads and stuff like that he was gonna struggle i was totally wrong the guy can run he can pass he's the leader it seems like guys are just completely gravitating around him he's one heck of a commu- uh, community member in buffalo He's going to be happy there for a long time, and I think the Buffalo Bills are going to be very good for a long time as long as that guy's under center. One last thought on this uh, game. I had to listen to the, the – the for about about half of this game in the radio in a car ride, and I'm not sure how people did it back in the day. Uh, it, it's absolutely terrible. It, it's just absolutely terrible. I do not understand how people would sit there, huddle around a TV, listen to uh, the Riverside – or the Fireside Chats with uh, – FDR it's a joke it's a joke and people want to say how we're on our phones too much and how we're on TV too much and all this and that but good god I would rather spend hours in front of a TV and have it ruin in my brain than sit held around a radio listening to a football game it's terrible i love radio i love i like that the option is there for you know obviously if i am driving or something like that but it's almost unlistenable it's terrible all right moving on to a game that was the probably the least entertaining game of the entire weekend, and that was uh, the Rams at Seahawks. What a disappointing game from, quote-unquote, Mr. Unlimited Russell Wilson. I think we learned that you can't win a title uh, by, quote-unquote, letting Russ cook. Because we saw it at the beginning of the year when he was really on fire and the defense was playing terrible, that they were winning games. But when the defense stepped it up near the end of the year, this offense just completely crumbled. Uh, DK Metcalf played solidly, but Jalen Ramsey all in all did a pretty dang job, good job of containing him. And my overall takeaway from this game is just I don't totally understand how a team with Russell Wilson as their quarterback can look that bad on offense. I'm not sure if it's the offensive play calling, I'm not sure if it's the fact that he got sacked 10 times and this offensive line is maybe the worst in the league. But when you go back and look at the stats of this offense, it's like they're 31st in the league. They're terrible. The defense is what was winning them football games. And you look around, and it, the culture almost looked terrible too. I shit you not. After the very first three and out, very first three and out of the game, the Seattle Seahawks sideline was like losing their minds. DK Metcalf slamming his helmet down. Uh, Russell Wilson's having to like coach the entire team, like they're about to go storm the beaches of Normandy. Like they are a bomb that's about to explode I feel like I would not be surprised if next year we hear stories of they want Pete Carroll out uh, if the team's turned on him I, I it wouldn't surprise me at all I think can Pete Carroll's one hell of a coach but good lord I watch a team without a quarterback dominate you a team without Aaron Donald for half a half a quarter dominate you I know Aaron Donald's the best player in the league I know Jalen Ramsey might be right up there with him as the best cornerback in the league but good god you got to be able to do something on them they could do they couldn't do anything as for the Rams, if they can just get Jared Goff healthy, I know how difficult that is. The guy just had surgery on his thumb, and he's tough as nails. I don't know how you can't be a fan of him. They have a legitimate chance to, to steal the Super Bowl. The, when you have a defense as good as they are, and Aaron Donald, I, I can't believe that this guy is even real. How do you not have a shot at winning the title? Just get your offense to be somewhat good. you got wide receivers like Bobby Woods, Mr. Reliable, and Cooper Cup, and Cam Akers is starting to come into his own 131 yards and 28 carries. It's time for them to maybe take the next step and go after the Super Bowl for, for real this time. They just can't get out of their own way with a Jared Goff injury, though. Too bad, but they are definitely playing their best football of the year. And then after the game, Jamal Adams, I found out that he has a neck injury, both his shoulders, he's basically torn up, but yet he's lighting cigars last couple weeks when they beat the Rams to secure the division. Came back to bite him in the mouth. So you tell me what I like more. Do I like Juju Smith-Schuster talking shit before the game? Or do I like Jamal Adams celebrating after the game with a cigar? I like Jamal. I like Juju (laughs) Smith-Schuster. At least he has to back it up on the field immediately afterward. Whereas now all you get is Jared Goff laughing at him in the postgame presser saying how they were smoking cigars when we were working on beating them. Cracks me up. And I don't know how you don't root for this Rams team the rest of the way with the way Jared Goff just showed so much resiliency and how fun it is to watch this defense just shut teams down. Shut down uh, MVP candidate Russell Wilson just like that. Will Seattle ever move on for Pete Carroll, though? That's kind of the last question I have here. Like I said, I wouldn't surprise me if... The team turns on him next year. It just seems like the, the locker room isn't isn't the best, uh, despite Russell Wilson being there. He's one hell of a coach, but sometimes you just are spinning your tires for so many years that since they've had the Legion of Boom and all those guys, it's time to maybe move on. We saw how um, Richard Sherman turned on him. We saw uh, how safety Eric Thomas turned on him. Like, everyone wants out. Just something to keep an eye on. Will Seattle ever move on from Pete Carroll? If they do, I hope the Lions are the first one there to jump on him. Last game of the weekend, um, the Bucks versus the Washington football team. This was the Saturday night game. Uh, final score was Bucks thirty-one to twenty-three. I mean, the big storyline is uh, Heineke. I mean, twenty-six to forty-four for three hundred six yards, uh, and just a few really noteworthy plays here and there. Just how it's crazy to me how guys like this can come out and just ball out like that but no one has even heard of them before when you got guys like Dwayne Haskins starting numerous games for the Washington football team but you never give this guy a chance Dwayne Haskins who's out on strip clubs probably doesn't really know the playbook that well all this and that you don't give him a chance but or you excuse me you give him all the chances in the world three four five five strikes you're out before you finally give Heineke the the keys in a playoff game and he absolutely balls out I saw a lot of people saying that he just earned himself the best position in the league, which is a backup quarterback for the rest of his career, and I tend to agree. He deserves it. What a show he put on. No, yes, it was a losing effort, but as long as Mike Evans and Antonio Browns and Chris Godwin, who had a few big-time drops, are out there, I don't know how a team like the Washington football team is going to be able to beat them. They needed one hell of an effort from their front line with Chase Young and those guys, and they got a decent effort with three sacks, but they needed more than that. They needed to be all up in Tom Brady's grill, and they were. And that's why I think that the Bucks are going to be very tough to beat as long as Tom Brady's healthy and they're playing in warm-weather climate games. A couple of fun facts I found about Heineke, though. Uh, he, had, he had just wrapped up his engineering degree at Old Dominion when he was called uh, right before he was about to take his finals exams um, by the Washington football team to bring him back, uh, back in December. He's, he balled out in the AAF, just joined Washington a month ago. It's crazy that... With that little a time, he came into an NFL playoff game and did what he did. I'm a big supporter of that guy, and if it was up to me, I would buy a jersey of his right off the rip if I knew that they were going to be the Washington football team for years to come. Let me ask you this, though. Uh, I always come back to the Lions. Is this a potential landing spot uh, for Stafford? With Washington football team, they're coming back stronger next year, playoff experience, all this and that. Everything They, they have everything they need but a quarterback. From the Lions, I'm circling them, and I'm saying, let's get Stafford out of here. Let's get him somewhere he can win, where he can contend for a Super Bowl, and let's get him to a win-now team, which is exactly what the Washington football team is. Let's take some draft picks back, and let's see what we can do. But that's a wrap uh, from the preview of Wild Card Weekend. I can't wait for next weekend of the playoffs. A lot of great matchups. Uh, can't wait for Bucks saints Can't wait for Chiefs-Browns. Can't wait for a lot of other games as well on top of that. Uh, but last thing I want to talk about before we wrap up this pod is uh, the college football playoff final, which will be tonight. Uh, special note, this game is always long as balls. If you think you're going to be going to bed early tonight, it's not. The only thing I hate about this is the fact they schedule it on a Monday night. This should be a Saturday night game each and every year. Instead, it's a Monday night game. I'm lucky I'm not in high school anymore because that used to be the worst thing in the world was having to watch this game. It gets over at midnight. You wake up for for school at 6 a.m. the next day. Terrible. I love both these offensive coordinators. I'm leaning toward the over in this game. I think it's 75, but I have I've, I've no which way to pick whether the Bama minus eight or take Ohio State money line, Ohio State plus spread. I don't know. I'm just going to sit back, kick my feet up, and, and enjoy this, the hell out of this game. I loved what Ryan Day said uh, about this before the game, which is basically that you don't make a goal to make it to the championship game. A lot of people are thinking that Ohio State is just celebrating and cheering and loving that they beat Clemson. No. If anything, that just fuels their motivation more, where they think, we have a 100% legit chance to win the championship. We beat Clemson, who everybody thought was unbeatable. We have a 100% real chance. If you think they're not coming in like thinking they can 100% beat Alabama, you're crazy. Now, I think they're going to need one hell of a rushing effort from Trey Sermon, most Basically, their offensive line, the Ohio State offensive line is going to have to be dominant. We're going to know exactly which way this game is going to go within the first few minutes. So if you are thinking about gambling, wait and see how the offensive line for Ohio State handles the Alabama's defense. If they're pushing around and they're running at will, it's going to be a hell of a game, and Ohio State has a legit chance. If they're not and they 100% have to rely on Justin Fields' arms with guys like Patrick Curtain and the Alabama Secretary, they're going to struggle. I think Justin Fields is going to have to play a great game, but I think he's going to have to do a lot more with his legs than his arms today. That's 100% the chance. I think they have. I can't wait for this game. I'm so glad that it's not Clemson versus Alabama. And I love the college football as it's constructed. I can't wait uh, to see to hear Kirk Herbstreit in the booth. Actually, in the booth with Chris Fowler. Just They're the absolute pros, pro, best uh, announcing duo in the game. Just sit back and enjoy this game. It's going to be a lot of fireworks, I think. It's going to be very enjoyable. It's going to come down to the wire. I think Ohio State has a legit chance. But they got to strike first, and they got to maybe build a little, get a little bit of a lead so they can just take the air out of the football and run it right down Alabama's throat because they're not going to be able to air-rate air rate them. All right, that's a wrap from Fat Stack Sports Show Monday edition episode, right? recapping the wild-card weekend uh, and previewing the college ball. Playoff, we'll be back tomorrow with a new pod, probably recapping the college football playoff as well as maybe getting into some NBA and some other news. Thanks for listening. Uh, if you're not subscribed yet, please subscribe. And if you want to share with a friend, you know whether it's to laugh at me or to say, hey, this guy's pretty good, I would appreciate it. Thanks for listening. I'll be back tomorrow. Have a good day. And I can't believe I'm saying this. Go Buckeyes.
1: Bitch. Corvette, Corvette. hopping in a fucking jet like jet. Hit me like that, in me down like that. They were like, pop, why you all like that? Why you tall like that? Why you all like that? Uh, I'm up at Eddie, I'm up. I don't got no time to relax. Time to relax. I turn the two to a four, and I turn the five to a stack. Five to a stack. I'm just down in the bottom, talking them back to big. Get shit out the mud, but they don't wanna talk about that Keep it in stack, know that we X you out If you be moving too fast, and that's a fact Niggas keep talking about looking for me But them niggas capping, they know where I'm at If I ain't no nurse, then I'm on the V 11th, you to be exact If I ain't no nurse, then I'm on the V 11th, you to be exact Fuck all the ass for real, yeah I'm dissing you uh, I drop a bag on your head, just to get rid of you uh, Bitch, I ain't done no action You don't get rid of who Me and Tay slide on that. And we got missus too. I'm off to Eddie, I'm up. I, thong, I don't got no time to relax. I turn the two to a four, And I turn the five to a stack. Five to a stack. i would just down in the bottom, talking them back at the back. I got this shit out of the mud, but they don't wanna talk about that. I got this shit out of the dirt, but they don't wanna talk about this. Uh, niggas was sending them bets. None of y'all resting in piss, resting in this shit. Fuck them niggas I made, but they just won't admit it. I'm grateful shit. Even if I do die. Slide, uh, you gon get hit. I took a sip of that lean, that shit had me trippin' But I wasn't dippin' Tears rollin' down my face Cause I seen all my niggas, but it was different I fucked this bitch named CC She, she, she try say I ain't, already don't listen Pussy was trash for real, sometimes I wish I never did hear it I'm up and any of them up, I don't want no time to relax, relax. I turn it to a fool, then I turn the to five to a stack Five to a stack I was just down in the bottom, talkin' the back in the back I cut this shit out of the mud, but then wanna talk about that I'm up for Eddie, I'm up, I don't got no time to relax, time to relax I turn it two to a fool, and I turn a five to a stick, five to a stick I was just down in the bottom, talking and back in the back I got this shit out of the mud, but they don't want to talk about that